Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. All right, boys and girls, we made it to the end of another week. It's August the 18th, 2023. Count up mode to the start of the NBA season continues here on Fantasy NBA Today. I am Dan Bespers. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. I think we'll do a two-a-day today, Friday. Run a little recon mock in the afternoon, perhaps. I guess it's the afternoon in a lot of places already, but yeah, I'm on Pacific time, so... Not for me! What good does that do all of you? All I'm saying is, probably I should have said, we'll run a little recon mock in a few hours over on our YouTube page. That's youtube.com slash sportsethos. Seeing the uh, number of subscribers, the uh, daily hit count, inching upward just a little bit at a time. I like it. I like it. Happy with what I'm seeing over there. Great work by the football guys. Holy smokes. The Fantasy Roadshow dudes, Mike and Ryan, what an effort they're putting in right now. I am blown away. Awesome work. Awesome work by those dudes. Really cool. Um, So check that out. Go get yourself a Fantasy Pass. All Sport Edition, $7 for a limited time. Going Going up to 10 in less than two weeks now. At the drop of the NBA draft guide, it's coming up right around the corner. First pieces. Player profiles, they're always in that first chunk. Mm-mm-mm. Delicious. So what have we been talking about here on Fantasy NBA Today? Well, we've been talking about that number nine pick. Or number eight, depending on how you want to frame it. I still think Giannis is going to go eight in most drafts. Roto or head-to-head, I think he goes eight. Just... People will lean into the punt at that point. We talked about Damian Lillard, Anthony Davis, and Kevin Durant two days ago. That was on Wednesday's show. The case for why they should or should not be the number nine pick. And then yesterday, we talked about Kyrie Irving and Jaron Jackson Jr., which I'll admit, we ended up, I ended up going longer on those two guys than I previously expected I don't know why I ended up feeling so attached to that particular discussion it just felt like it launched us into other tangential discussions about how to view a rank list and durability at the top of a draft this is what I get for ever having a plan I have no plan. I have no plan. I shouldn't have admitted that to you guys. But I have a rough idea of what we're going to do coming into a particular show. And then the question is, do we get to it? I've been... Now we're going to get into the fantasy stuff in just a second here. Uh, there's a uh, a fine gentleman who's working on a story of the Bakersfield Blaze, the minor league baseball team that I worked for for six years before it folded in 2016 and a lot of uh well not a lot uh, some of our discussions have been about how one of the one of my errors and now it's almost become a style of broadcasting for me 
is that I embark upon a story and then I forget that I've done so. And I never quite get around to finishing it. I think with this podcast, because I'm not looking at a ball game in the background, this is what life would be if I actually remembered to finish my stories on a baseball broadcast. But let's launch into things today. We've covered uh, five, six, I guess, if you include Giannis, of the names that could go at eight in upcoming drafts. It is unquestionably much, much harder to be in the back half of the first round this year than it has been in recent seasons. There were quite a few guys that last year were going in the back half of the first round that I thought were pretty reasonable and then pretty good players you could grab in the front half of the second round. And so, barring the Nikola Jokic advantage, which was still non-zero in last year's leagues, but not quite as substantial as the previous season... You know, third pick versus ninth pick, your chances of winning your league were relatively similar this last season. Not the same. You still want those higher picks, but it was much closer. This year, the board, as it stands right now, has all the makings of being one of those seasons where an early pick does have a pretty big edge. And I know some of you are saying, Dan, just switch to auction. Okay, fine. Maybe I switch to auction, but all of you aren't going to do that. I have to be a reasonable human being. I could, I'm not an auction expert. You guys know that about me. And sure, I could say that that would be the more fair way to do it. Yes, that's true. But for the same reason that I talk about head-to-head leagues on this show, more people do those than Roto. I think Roto is more fair. I try to build off of that kind of Roto foundation in how we discuss things on the program, but you have to also include the other stuff. Now, some people are going to look back on this series of podcasts I've done and say, Dan told us that no one can win in the second half of their fantasy drafts. Nay, listeners, that is not what I'm saying at all. I'm saying it's going to be a whole hell of a lot harder to do so. But harder doesn't mean zero. We get too caught up in the black and white of the universe. This is still a gray area. Everything, basically, in life is a gray area. Hypothetically, you could go Anthony Davis at pick number eight or pick number nine, and if he plays 64, 65 games this year, you're in business because he probably beats that ADP by per game and totals. But there's seemingly an equal chance that you go Anthony Davis at nine, and... He plays in 52 games, and he doesn't get to that mark, and you lose 30 games out of your first-round pick. The the pitfalls of these players that we're going through here are so substantial, and that's why when you look at this list, you're like, this is now a harder area to win. Impossible? No. Harder? Yes. Odds are someone in this group, or someone's, is, are, going to work out. As opposed to, I'm thinking, two seasons back, I believe, where Trey Young was the only player drafted with an ADP between, like, 9 and 15 that actually had a good year. Jimmy Butler was in there. He was hurt a lot. Paul George was hurt a lot. Bradley Beal was terrible and hurt a lot. I'm trying to think of the other players that were in that that same general area. I feel like Anthony Davis was going in there, and he was also extremely hurt and, and didn't have as good of a per-game season. I forget exactly. I know there were at least the four guys that were going 11, 12, 13, 14 were those four I just mentioned. And Trey Young was the only one that 
survived that assault. So it was it was damn near impossible to win your league if you had a pick near the turn. Almost impossible. But usually it's not that overwhelmingly bad. That was a situation where basically like four out of five guys drafted in that range were team detonators, and a lot of teams ended up with two of them. You had no shot. That's not the way it's necessarily going to be. I mean, like 80% fail rate is extraordinarily bad for that part of a draft. And we've talked about that. We we looked through the sort of how did everybody do, you know, our end of season Yahoo, where they, where we started, where we are now kind of thing. Started from the bottom, now I'm somehow lower that year. Oh, yes. So we're looking at all these names. Damian Lillard, Kevin Durant, Anthony Davis, yesterday Kyrie Irving, Jaron Jackson Jr., Remaining names to discuss for this chunk of players, LaMelo Ball, Devin Booker, and Anthony Edwards are the guys that we've seen go in this sort of 9-12 to range. And there's going to be ups and there's going to be downs. But odds are, and we can go ahead and include Giannis in this and just say, well, how many names is that? Is that nine? I think that was nine when we started. Dame... KD, LaMelo, AD, Kyrie, JJJ, Giannis, Booker, Edwards. Yeah, nine names. Do we think 80% of those nine names are going to fail? Which is effectively seven out of the nine. 78%. Do we think seven of those nine guys are going to be disasters this year? No, I don't, I don't think so. But could it be three, four, five? It's a possibility. What if it turns out that everybody in that range has particularly healthy seasons at the same time? Odds are that's extraordinarily low, but then you look back and you're like, oh, this is a great place to get value because all of the risks didn't happen. That seems unlikely, doesn't it? Anthony Davis, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving are all three of those guys going to play 64 or more games this coming season. That seems unlikely, doesn't it? You say it out loud. You sound like a crazy person. So there's something going on in this range that I believe makes it so much harder, and that's part of it. It's that there's just no guarantees in this group. And there's no guarantees anywhere, but like if you look up at the way top, Joel Embiid, yeah, he's been banged up a lot. But there's so much wiggle room when you're potentially going to be the number one per game guy in the NBA. There's so much wiggle room. And maybe that's why you go the Kevin Durant or Anthony Davis route at nine. Maybe you say the per game stuff that gives me a wiggle room for them to be heard a little bit more. Folks, picture this nightmare scenario. You're hosting friends for the big game. It's neck and neck in the fourth quarter, and suddenly you realize you're out of drinks. Ooh, say all of your friends. You start to sweat. Your friends turn on you. You're forced to go on a last-second drink run and end up missing the game-winning touchdown while in line. Oh, no. Terrifying, isn't it? Luckily, you can avoid the drama with Drizzly, the go-to app for drink delivery. With Drizzly, you can shop a huge selection of beer, wine, and spirits then get them delivered right to your watch party. Compare prices across multiple stores in your area, find the best deals on game day drinks, and get back 
to armchair quarterbacking from, you guessed it, your armchair. Download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y.com today. Must be 21 plus, not available in all locations. A lot of twisting into knots to try to figure out what the right thing to do is here. Let's talk about the next name on the board, and we'll do this one just in the order that Yahoo presents it to us, and that is LaMelo Ball, who has a pre-rank of 10. A mind-blowingly high, by the way, pre-rank of 10. Not necessarily because he can't do it. LaMelo could do it. But because he didn't come close to doing it last year. And typically... With stuff like this, there's at least a bit of a recency bias, especially on a guy who hasn't really been there before. LaBella Ball was number 30 per game last year. He missed 46, 46 of his team's ball games. The previous season, I believe he was a second rounder. Yeah, he was number 21, played in 75 out of 82 games. That was a pretty damn good year. And then if you go back, I think, the year before that was the rookie season, right? Where the hell did he end up in his rookie year? Dig this one up. Don't worry. 73. And some of that was because he was horrendous at both percentages. He fixed his free throw stroke, but also he wasn't doing as much that year. So 73 and then 20. No, 21. Sorry. Uh, and then 30. With some injury stuff, his freshman campaign in the NBA. Not significant. Basically none, his sophomore campaign, and then a crap ton last year, which was, you know, keep going with this naming mechanism and call it his junior year. Now, the LaMelo stuff is pretty understandable because when he's healthy, if you watch him play, he has a gear higher than the other players on the court. He throws passes harder. He moves quicker. He has that it factor that makes you want to watch a basketball player. Not that many guys have it. Sometimes it's more evident with players like LaMelo because he's not a gigantic human being. But I would ask you all to watch some LaMelo games and just watch his passing, which, you know, he's not at Chris Paul or Jokic or even Braun level with the type of stuff he's able to see before it happens, but there's a certain zip to his stuff that other guys don't have. I would actually take another player that we're going to talk about potentially in a minute here in Devin Booker, who's fine as an orchestrator because he has so much gravity, but his passes are softer. They're softer. They just don't get there as quickly. I'm not trying to knock Devin Booker here. That wasn't the point of that. I'm really more trying to prop up LaMelo Ball. So, when you look at, when you look at a guy like LaMelo, if we can even write off the injury stuff for a minute, and I didn't like what I saw last year with him continually turning ankles and continually having issues in basically the same areas over and over again, one foot, the other foot, one foot, the other foot. You know, it's not the same one every time, but it was the same one a couple of times. If we can get over that element of the LaMelo Ball stuff, do I feel strongly enough that he can push himself into the first round on a per-game basis? My answer, without punting, is no. He is elite at threes 
and assists. His steals are good. His scoring is pretty good, but not over the top. His rebounds are excellent for a point guard. But again, not like a number that's going to carry you. Free throws went from pretty terrible two seasons back to now a very small positive. Turnovers are going to be on the high side, but you kind of expect that given his, his job with the team. And field goal percent is an unmitigated mess. Of course, when you see something that is an unmitigated mess, it's always wise to flip on a little punt and see where that moves a player like LaMelo Ball. And obviously, it does shift him up the board. But it shifted him from 30 to 18. It's not like with Giannis, where he jumped from 180 to 9 or whatever it was this last year. LaMelo Ball was very bad at field goal percent. But so was Freddie Van Vliet, who was ranked a full round ahead of him anyway. And had comparable stats, mind you. Those two weren't that far apart. Freddie Van Vliet was noticeably better from a fantasy standpoint. Punt or no punt. By about a round. Maybe there's another gear. That's what we have to be thinking here. Maybe there's another gear for LaMelo. Maybe the free throws continue to get better. 84%, could that become 87? Maybe he doesn't shoot that many, so does it matter? Field goal percent... Does that dramatically improve? Possibly. But, I mean, we talked about it just a moment ago. Even when you were punting field goal percent, he still wasn't a first-rounder. What about roll on the team? Does he get more than 20 shots per game? That's hard to see happening. Eight and a half assists? I don't know where that goes. Could the steals go back up from 1.3 to... 1.5, 1.6. Yes, I think you could certainly talk about that because he was so banged up this year that probably usually plays a role in field goal percent being lower as well. Going from 30 to 9 is not easy when you already have most of the usage that you could possibly want. Other guys that made that leap from 30 to 9... Uh, guys, Shea Gilgis-Alexander is actually oh, an example that's just sitting there right in front of our face. Um, his usage spiked in a lot of ways. It wasn't bad the previous year, but he went from his shots went up by 1.5, his free throws went up by 4 per game, which, by the way, that's usage. You have to count that in. Uh, his playing time went up by about a minute per ball game as well. Still isn't really shooting three-pointers, but field goal percent was a lot better, mostly because he stopped shooting three-pointers. How do you go from 30 to 9? Well, you improve something by 10%. That's basically what happened with Shea. He went from an 81% foul shooter to 91 and took 11 per ball game. Usage was through the roof and a dramatic jump in percentages. Do we think that's what's happening here? Can LaMelo get an extra sort of two shots per game and four free throws? And could the assists go up? Yeah, I mean, it's a possibility. But it doesn't seem like a distinct one. And so as much as I like LaMelo Ball, and frankly, I'd love to have him on a fantasy team, and then that allows me to watch him play, the combination of injury history, which there is one now, whether we like it or not, He's been, he was badly banged up this last season. And we're seeing, could we extrapolate anything from fellow members of the ball clan? Uh, I'm not going to go that far. 
But between the injury stuff, which maybe it turns out to be nothing, we can we can assume that he's healthy this year. Even if he's fully healthy, there really isn't a lot pointing me to say, oh, this guy's going to be a late first-rounder per game. Because like, even if you look at last season, where he was number 21, a late second-rounder, that was because he shot 87% at the free throw line and had two defensive stats, seven boards, eight assists, three threes. The scoring was a little bit lower. Field goal percent was a little bit higher. Is that repeatable? Maybe. But then you still have to get from 20 to 10. In my eyes, getting LaMelo from 30 back into the second round feels pretty easy. Getting him from the second round to the first feels extraordinarily difficult. And so in my eyes, he's just not the guy that I would take right behind Giannis there at pick number nine. Some of these other guys are off the board, maybe, and perhaps at some point we'll kind of try to line these guys up in terms of upside and downside. But when you're comparing him to, say, Kyrie Irving, who's basically played in the same number, Kyrie, all of his stuff, but over the last couple of seasons, if you wipe out the vaccine year, his games played total is not all that different than LaMelo Ball's. I know. Hurts to hear, I guess. He played 24 more games than Ball did this season. Ball played about 40 more than he did the year before that. Kyrie played 54 during the 72-game season. I think that was where Ball was at 58. Am I remembering that right? I just looked up a second ago. No, he was at 51. Kyrie Irving has played more games, basically, if you wipe out vaccine stuff, than LaMelo Ball. They're not going to be presented to you the same way on draft night. One of those guys is going to be presented as a huge risk. The other one is not. And yes, I will admit, I'd be more nervous to draft Kyrie Irving because he's a lot older and there's a rich history of doing goofball stuff. But LaMelo Ball, he hasn't been healthy yet. Not for two seasons in a row. He was for one. One out of three? Eh. It's about about as often as Kyrie's been healthy in his career. So anyway, and then Anthony Davis, you got the same issue, but you got that per-game thing it's hanging over it. Kevin Durant, similar stuff. I don't want to write Dame off completely. Even if Dame takes a step down, I still think it's going to take a lot for LaMelo to jump over him. So he's not my favorite guy to take at this spot, but he is someone I would likely prefer over Devin Booker. Let's talk about Booker next. This is, of all the names that we've talked about at this juncture, I would argue the most surprising. There is almost nothing that I've seen to make me think Booker belongs near the end of the first round. Because really, think about last year. I know he was banged up and he missed almost 30 games, but the Suns were also for long stretches without the other guys on their team that had usage and shots. They traded for Kevin Durant, who promptly missed basically his whole time with Phoenix. Chris Paul was out a lot last year. He's a guy that took a lot of the usage away from Booker. When Devin was on the floor... He pretty much had the rock. He took 20 shots per game and seven free throws, had five and a half assists, had a 49-86 percentage split, which is excellent, and was number 29. 
And it's not like we can pin it on one category that's sagging him down. There isn't really a category you can punt with Booker and say, oh, well, if I'm punting this, then he magically becomes a first-rounder. There isn't that category. His worst category was blocks. But he's a shooting guard, so getting .3 out of your shooting guard is kind of a big meh. Year before that, year before this most recent one, Booker was number 20. His numbers, I would argue, were actually a, maybe a tiny bit worse. Steals and blocks were a little bit higher. Field goal percent was lower. Scoring was lower. So yeah, you look at it, you're like, okay, well, the league by and large, that was a strange season. Nobody could shoot that year. Everybody had a down field goal percent year, so it didn't really impact him all that much. And that, by the way, is another reason to be worried because Booker was at 28, 4.5, and 5.5 with two threes on those crazy splits I was talking about, and that still only got him to number 29. The numbers that guys are putting up at the top of the fantasy board right now is just obscene. It's obscene. I know it's weird, too, to think that two threes per game out of Booker isn't enough, but it's kind of not enough we need that needs to be three for a guy putting up his type of scoring volume but you gotta i mean you gotta lift a mountain over your head to get inside the top 15 these days it's it's absolutely absurd then if you want to like go back even further and do more digging on the devin booker stuff if you go back to Not the COVID year, uh, but the one immediately following that. Booker was number 75 that year. On 19 shots per game. Good percentages. Defensive stats were down. Assists were down. Rebounds were down. What if that's the iteration you get now with Kevin Durant and Bradley Beal around? Is there a chance that Devin Booker can somehow reproduce what he did last year? I actually think the answer to that is no. Unless Beal and Durant are out for like two-thirds of the season, I don't think there's almost any chance that he gets 20 shots, five and a half assists, and seven free throws per game. I just don't see how there's that much usage left for him when you split it between three super high-volume guys. Maybe one of those things stays... The assists, I know they're saying Beal is the de facto point guard, but Booker's going to be playing some point. And he's got these incredible scores next to him, so, you know, number of passes resulting in a bucket probably gets better just because of those guys being next to him. But even if the assists stay, you've got to figure that number of shots, free throws probably go down. And then he doesn't really have stuff that can float him. He's not a great rebounder. He's not a great three-point uh, I mean, he's a decent three-point shooter, but he doesn't take that many of them. Steals, blocks, eh. Turnovers maybe get a little bit lower. How badly is that the thing you're targeting with your number nine pick? I don't understand this one at all. I don't understand it at all. Because it's not like it's not like he's better in points leagues. He's, he's better in nine cat than points league. He's better in eight cat than either of those other things. But again, everybody at the top of the board has decently high turnover, so that doesn't actually change things very much. 
Is he does he move up a little bit if you're punting turnovers from last year? Go from thirty to a tiny bit sooner. Yeah, he goes from twenty nine to twenty five. Eight cat twenty five. But this board we're looking at the pre rank board for Yahoo. That's that's an aggregate of points leagues nine cat and eight cat. And he's pre ranked fifteen. And I just don't see it at all. He's someone who was number, I'll say it again, he was someone who was number 30, 29, right next to LaMelo Ball this last year, whose arrow is pointed the wrong way. And he only played in 53 games last year. I didn't even talk about the fact that he's starting to get a little bit more dinged up year over year. We'll just ignore that. I'm just going to pretend he plays in all 82 damn games this coming season. I still don't like it at the end of the first round. But then at the same time, what do I like? Because maybe your job gets even harder. What if you're in a league where you have the 10th pick? Forget pick number 9 or 11th pick. And the two guys that you kind of wanted there, Anthony Davis and, and Kyrie Irving or Anthony Davis and Kevin Durant, they're off the board now at 9 and 10. You have pick 11. What are you doing? You doing Durant and praying for health? Probably. <laughs> Honestly, that's probably what you're doing. What if you're on the turn God forbid. What if you have picked 12 and 8 is Giannis and 9 is Anthony Davis and 10 is Kevin Durant and 11 is Kyrie Irving and you're like, oh no, all the guys that could go top 5 per game, they're now gone. What the hell are you doing at that point? We talked about why JJJ is a tough player to take at the end of the first round because he's hard to build around. Booker, likely with an arrow pointed down. Oh no. Is it Dame? It's probably Dame. Oh, no's. Oh, no's. But then what? You've got the 13th pick, too. <laughs> oh, heaven help you. Maybe somebody will shift around here. Maybe you're going Donovan Mitchell. Spide is pre-ranked 21. He probably has a better per-game number than Booker this year. Freddie Van Vliet. James Harden, where he ends up. I think I'd sooner throw most of those guys into the mix over book. You don't need to go all the way down to the old men. Kawhi, Jimmy Butler, Paul George. That's too early. Terrifying players to take. Especially if Dame ends up in Miami. You got Jimmy Butler who can probably start to take more days off. Yeesh. Yeesh, I say. Oh, man. If you end up on the turn, yeah, your job in the first round is to pray that one or two of your targets actually make it to you because you're in real trouble. So here's what we're going to do. Uh, we're about the 30-minute mark here. So we'll take a break for the weekend. Hope you guys have a nice one, by the way. Monday, we'll come back. We'll talk Anthony Edwards as someone else that I've seen going in this range. Typically not nine, but... End of the first round, I have seen it. We're going to do a little recon mock. I'll post that here as a bonus episode on the Fantasy NBA Today feed, either later tonight or maybe even tomorrow. Just you'll get like a bonus Saturday episode, something like that. And also on that Monday show, I kind of want to do a redux on the players we've just talked about and try to line them up a little bit. And then we might want to go to the next group of guys and just sort of work our way down the board because it is... I don't want to say that it's starting to crystallize. It's very much not. But you're starting to see 
these buckets forming on their own, and we got to sort through them. So we'll see. That might end up being the Tuesday show after that. But uh, Monday we'll finish up this look at pick number nine slash, you know, eight through 15 or eight through 16 or whatever we're talking about right now, and uh, then we'll peel from there. I will see you guys over on YouTube a little bit later on today for the Recon Mock. I'm going to put myself in a less... I think I was on the turn in the last Recon Mock, and that's not great because I kind of want to see what everybody else is doing there. Maybe I'll try to grab this the one spot and just take Jokic, and then we'll have you know 22 picks or something to see what everybody else is doing and if there's any shifting of the board and a couple of key names. That's uh, try to figure out who's going up and who's going down. That's a good thing to do this time of year as well. So uh, again, that'll be over on youtube.com slash sports ethos. I will post it here on the podcast channel, but it'd be more fun for you to watch it because you can see my ugly mug and uh, you can hang out with me live. Again, that'll be uh, probably in maybe an hour, hour and a half, something like that. Got to get it all set up. That takes time. I got to put the fake draft board in my the frame of my bed behind me so you guys can't see the disgusting office slash bedroom slash broken toy it really is the island of misfit toys back here everything the kids break ends up somewhere in this bedroom just waiting for me to super glue it what an existence all right i'm dan vespers at dan vespers on twitter i will talk to you guys over there because it's time to start talking fantasy basketball a bit more these days isn't it in it uh, I'd say have a great weekend, but I'm also going to talk to you on this recon mock, right? So I don't have to do that yet. We don't have to take a few days apart yet. Soon, though. Thanks for listening, everybody, to Fantasy NBA Today, a sports ethos presentation. Go get yourself the Fantasy Pass All Sport before the price goes up. You'll thank me later. Later. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.